0: What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Fast Break. I'm Jonathan Hood. If you love the association, if you love the NBA, you've come to the right place as we talk to you about what happened in the East and the West as we are now down to the final four in the NBA playoffs. But we got to talk about what happened on Sunday as I record this on Monday morning, May 16th. Fast Break brought to you by Illinois Media School in Lombard. You looking to change your career? Whether it is digital, whether it's radio, television, whether it's social media, you can learn all the tricks of the trade in broadcasting by going to Illinois Media School, Lombard. BeOnAir.com. It's BeOnAir.com or call 630-916-1700. Tell them John the Hood sent you. You ready to start your new career? Check it out. Illinois Media School, Lombard. BeOnAir.com. So here we are in Fast Break, and for you on the Cap and J Hood audience listening in, our podcast as well. Uh, you can find Fast Break right here on the same app. Just scroll down; you could be able to find content that Chris Black and I have built together for Fast Break. Check it out right here on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get this podcast. So the playoffs on Sunday start with the Suns and the Mavericks because that's the thing that's the most stunning to me. How is it that? The Mavericks beat the Suns by 33, a 33-point 33 loss in Game 7. It is the biggest collapse I've ever seen in a Game 7 from a team that had so much fanfare, so much pyro and ballyhoo, so much hype around it, right? The Phoenix Suns have the most wins in the NBA, and they look like that in a Game 7. Reggie Miller on the TNT broadcast at one point said, "Is This is a Game 7, right? No sense of urgency from the Phoenix Suns. There was a time where Luka Doncic had as many points as the Suns at the half. Think about it. Doncic had 27 points and the Suns had 27 points. That's how bad it was. So there's a lot of speculation about the Suns. I respect Monty Williams as a head coach. And I think he's the right coach for the Suns. However, he puts it all on his shoulder saying it's my fault I didn't have them ready. Look, man. You got a team filled with veterans, and it's admirable that Monty Williams, a good man, who's trying to put it on his shoulder saying, I didn't have these guys prepared. That's cool, but Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Deandre Ayton and others, they were not ready to play game seven, which I just don't understand. Like There is no tomorrow in a game seven. You and I both know that. Chris Paul at age 37. There's been speculation from my guy, Mark Spears from Anscape, from ESPN.com that says that Chris Paul played with a left quad injury. Well, whether he played hurt or not, it's the playoffs. And what I find interesting is is that uh, the last five games of the playoffs, Chris Paul had 47 points. He had 29 assists. He had 18 turnovers. And four times, he went to the foul line. Hurt or not, Chris Paul is 37. And the clock is not turning back on Chris Paul. Chris Paul, the same Chris Paul that on five different occasions, led a team to a 2-0 lead. Once with the Hornets, when they were the uh, New Orleans Hornets. Twice with the Clippers and twice with the Suns. Chris Paul, the point god, as everyone likes to say. He's a guy here that has been terrific. Definitely a Hall of Famer, right? I think we all know that he's a Hall of Fame talent. But I want to make sure it's very clear from my standpoint as a basketball fan. Yeah, Chris Paul will not be defined by him not winning a championship. He's going to be defined for not showing up when it counts in big moments, when an opportunity to get to the next level. I'll always remember Chris Paul up to this point as someone who has a 2-0 lead and can't seem to maintain it because of injury or ineptitude or both at times with Chris Paul. He's 37. He's got a great eye. But the point is, though, is that the league is getting longer and faster at his spot. He's a small guard. Yes, he still gets the basket. Yes, he can still pass the ball. But as you see how the game has developed and how it's grown, you see point guards now that are as tall and as powerful as Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis is a center. If nothing else, the huge power forward. But yet, guys, his size or the size of Luka Doncic or others, can handle the ball just as well, if not better than Chris Paul at his age. So when I look at the 22-9 and nine he was averaging in the playoffs, Chris Paul, all the way up to now being eliminated, it's, it's amazing. It's embarrassing. You know, as a basketball junkie as I am, college or pro, high school, whatever, right, as much as I love the game. You sit down and you get comfortable, right? Because it's game seven. It's everything's on the line. Who, You know, what's going to happen? So I sit in the hood cave and I'm getting comfortable watching the Suns and Mavericks. And then it is just terrible from the beginning for the Suns all the way to throughout. And so what's tripping me out is, yes, it's on Chris Paul, but also Devin Booker, too. It's also on DeAndre Ayton, too. These guys disappeared. And... One thing is for sure is that Dallas, with Luka Doncic, with Spencer Dimwitty, with Jalen Brunson, uh, all came together and they shot the lights out. And they played very, very well on the road in a hostile environment in Phoenix. Jason Kidd, a head coach that was laughed at at Brooklyn. People thought that he was done after his stint with Milwaukee. He has led this team to the Western Conference Finals. Now, what happens against Golden State? We'll find out. But I just want to give Luca his flowers because I know that everything is centered on the Suns. So how come the Suns are And Yeah, I'm scratching my head, too, because I can't believe that, right? I mean, it's not that the Mavericks couldn't win in Phoenix. It's just that we saw the ebb and flow in the series and we kind of thought, hmm, I maybe mean, Phoenix is going to be able to win this and finally be able to take on Golden State and see what happens because, to me... Even though there's two or three years left in the deal for Chris Paul, uh, it still looks like to me that, hey, give them at least a shot, right? I mean, they've taken on Golden State before. It just didn't work out. But this is shocking, absolutely shocking, how Phoenix didn't even show up to play against the Mavericks. Luka Doncic deserves his flowers, though, because Luka, it's good to see him, first of all, healthy enough to be able to lead, but he just played with a ruthless aggression. He He put the... Peddled all the way to the middle and just floored it for a good half. And the Suns were just so dispirited, they had no way to come back in that ball ballgame. Dinwiddie come off the bench quality. Brunson's going to get paid here in the offseason. Another good player. But ultimately, I believe that Jason Kidd should get a lot of credit as the head coach because the defense has gotten better, which will be a hallmark of the playoffs when we get to the Eastern Conference. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But there was so much talk about Chris Paul today. Uh, And because he's the leader of the team, and this is no shot at Devin Booker, but Booker also uh, should get a lot of blame. Aiton, who ducked the media, by the way, did not speak to the media after the game because he was so embarrassed. A guy's looking to secure the bag in the offseason. Good luck to that. uh, Played like crap as well. So first, let's hear from Chris Paul. And then there's so much talk about the Suns. Because not just the loss, it's just how they lost.
1: Shot clock at 5, 10-winnie. Three over eight, Good! A fourth three for Dinwiddie. And they're getting the swish with Aiton. We saw the two early threes by Luca on Aiton. It is number one.
2: And and this is how the Mavs have been
1: successful. Create the mismatch you want.
2: Chris, uh, at age 37, being in the league so long, you know these opportunities to win titles don't come around that often. Many people believe that this could have been your best chance. With that in mind, ha- have you thought about that at all? And did it hit you a little harder when the buzzer sounded? <coughs> this is a lost opportunity. Not at all. I said that last year. I said it back in 08. You know, you play long enough and you don't win. Every time you lose, they're gonna say it was it was your best chance. But I think for for me, us is we'll be right back next year. Tell you that much. I, I'm not. Uh, retiring tomorrow.
1: Thank God. You know, hopefully I'm healthy, come back, but uh, keep
2: playing.
0: Okay. On Get Up and on First Tick on ESPN, Chicago Zone Pat Beverly for the Minnesota Timberwolves was a special guest. And man, if you have not heard this, let me play this for you right now because Pat Beverly was on fire talking about Chris Paul. Is it hate? Is it True? I don't know. But this is Pat Beverly uh, in a conversation with Stephen A. Smith and with Mike Greenberg on GetUp talking about Chris Paul's legacy. Ain't
2: nobody worried about Chris Paul when he played Phoenix Suns. Nobody in the NBA. Ooh, what did I just say, though? And I'm just letting you know how NBA players feel I, this I, I, be- I believe you, but what I'm saying he's is... He's finessed the game to a point where he's, he, he gets... All the petty calls, all the swipe-throughs at the end. I mean, this guy is out, man. We going to be honest? We want to be really honest? Yes. He should have fouled out. He should have fouled out. The last game, too. You see the replay against Bronson, hit him on the shoulder, hit him in the mouth. Rep don't call anything. If that's me, oh, review it. Oh, flagrant one. If that's him, they don't call it. So let's not get it twisted, man. He should have fouled out. He can't guard. He literally can't guard. He He can't guard. Yeah, did he, you, he, he can't. Go, Chris Paul can't guard anybody. Is that what you say? I, did you see that? No, he can't. Everyone the, knows the, that. The, excuse me, excuse me. No, no, no. I don't know that. I haven't heard anybody tell me he, that. Yeah, because you haven't suited up. You know, guys don't like to tell you all the truth. You know that because they, they scared. They scared. <laughs> no, no, they scared. you No, 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 no. Now, he's you know, right me, about that. They will lie. He he's honest. They will lie. That is true. He's not lying about that. Man, CP can't guard nobody. Man, everybody in the NBA knows that. Can't guard anybody. Everybody that. Anybody. What we call cone. You know what you do with cones? Like when in the summertime, you got a cone. You make a move. What does the cone do? Stay still. Exactly. Yeah. He's a cone. Stop playing, man. I everybody that right. knows that. Everyone knows that. It's just y'all don't want to accept it because. No, I don't accept that.
1: I don't. No, no, no. I'm saying, again, if you're taller than him, you are going You can shoot over him. Obviously, that's an issue. But give him
2: the Ben Simmons slander. Give him the PG Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Give him the slander that you give everybody. Come
0: on, Cone. That's what they call Chris Paul. Cone, is that just Pat Beverly calling him that? Or is that what he's called in the league? That is rough. <laughs> Again, we know that Chris Paul is great. We know that he's a great player. But boy, that is rough. That's something. Now, does he have diminishing skills? Well, yeah, he's 37. He's been playing for a long time. Uh, but in biggest moments, this is where he fades. I just laid out for you the, what CP3 has not done. Uh, up to O, it's not necessarily just on him, but the team that he leads. Yeah, they don't seem to last very long. And so either him injured or him not being able to perform. Well, either way, it's an L. So Pat Beverly was on with JJ Reddick and I got an issue with JJ Reddick. I'll get to if I can remember in just a second. Uh, but JJ Reddick and Pat Beverly with Greenberg on the same show get up talking about how the Suns were eliminated from the playoffs after being routed in game seven. More chatter.
2: That's, I think the point we're trying to make here, Pat Bev, is that no one is if, if Luca, that's what Wendy
1: just said, if Luke had scored 60 last night and they win by six, we would have all said unbelievable player. The Suns didn't show up. They, they didn't play. They scored 27 points in the first half on their home floor in a game seven for a team that however good or bad we think they were, they did win 64 games this year. It is something that I think has stunned a lot of
2: people. How do you explain it? First off, uh, I know mean, a lot of them get a lot for this, but you know, I don't really care. They benched the wrong person. Should've benched Chris. And I'm not saying bench him now. Once you see they starting attacking Chris early, and you know that might become a problem later on, you need to see how my team works without Chris in the game a mm-hmm. little bit. I got benched. We won, we won though. Right. So right. you don't even you don't even remember that. Right. Okay? Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying so. As a coach, you have to understand, man, I have to understand they're attacking my main guy. uh, I can't get buckets from him. I have to make an adjustment, whatever that adjustment is. And that's no no fault against Monty. He's a great coach, coach of the year. But T. Lou, if T. Lou's there, he's making that decision. It's a hard decision, but he's making it. He's benching Chris Paul in game seven. Not benching him, but... Spurts here, spurts here. we got to see something else. I mean, apparently it didn't work. A- acknowledging that it has become a problem, and despite his stature, I'm just making sure I'm understanding, despite his stature in the game. Coach the game, not the player. Coach
1: the game, not the player. What do you think of that, JJ? I,
2: I think there's some validity to that, and I'll say, because of the way they were playing Devin Booker, basically blitzing everything, whether that was the backside action yeah. on the dribble handoff, whether that was the step-up pick and rolls. They always had two on the ball with him. If CP is unwilling to shoot, unwilling to be aggressive, I agree with that. Here's a lost opportunity to me. James Johnson, for the last two trade deadlines, has preached continuity. I think they had an opportunity this year to go out and get a third shot creator. Eric Gordon was available in Houston. I know the Phoenix Suns fans wanted Eric Gordon to be there. That, to me, changes the complexity of this team because you do need someone who's able to attack someone. I'm not saying they could have got Jordan Clarkson, but someone like that. And Eric Gordon is one of those guys. You needed that third shot creator.
0: Whew, wow. Oh, I gotta get one more. There's one more. One little more piece of slander from Westside Pat Beverly. Hold on.
2: Do guys in the NBA go to sleep early the night before playing the Phoenix Suns? Hell no. No. You mean as a team or would you talk about Chris Paul in division? Chris Paul in division. Okay. No. I'm going to stake 44 over there in Phoenix. I'm Mm. gonna have me a nice little wine, probably sweat it out. And uh, but the pregame shoot around and get ready for Chris Paul, Steph Curry. I'm going. I'm going to bed at eight o'clock. Mom, don't call me. My girl, don't call me. I don't, I'm, I'm locked in right now. It's not. It's, it's, it's two different monsters.
0: <laughs> Mom, don't call me. His girlfriend, don't call me. He's got to go to bed at eight o'clock because it's Steph Curry. He's got to face him. That's the difference between him and taking on Chris Paul. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, I'll just tell you this: that I'm not sure that the Phoenix Suns. Uh, can win the NBA championship as is. I think that they need to be able to take a look at a few more shooters, but ultimately... Um it is on Chris Paul. Chris Paul more than likely will be coming back. He has a huge contract, by the way. I mean, he got a balloon payment, a huge contract uh, to really finish his career with the Phoenix Suns. Devin Booker really is the future and present of this basketball team. DeAndre Ayton, I don't even know if he's going to be around or not. Um, Mikael Bridges is a good player, but the Suns have some work to do and if they want to be able to get up there with where Dallas is right now or Golden State or some of the other teams that are are on the come in the Western Conference they got to figure out what they want to do at lead guard for the future uh and have that person groomed for when Chris Paul either retires it won't be this upcoming season clearly as you just heard uh but they got to think about what life is going to be like uh next season They might, once again, be at the top of the Western Conference as far as wins. They'll rest Chris Paul. They'll rest some players to get themselves in position. But when it comes to the postseason, what are the Suns going to do about it? And that's the big question.
1: Of course, the Milwaukee Bucks have won twice in this building during the series. The impressive game, one victory. And then, of course, that great comeback in game five. Grant Williams knocks down the first quarter. And so, Grant Williams is going to be wide open. It's just a matter of, does he make or miss? Tatum, another three. He's four for four from downtown. Celtics regain the lead. And the individual defense, and then the health defense for both these teams. Final minute, first half. Grant Williams connects on a three. I think it's Tatum's greatest area of growth. They back off, Grayson Allen on him. Tatum, five to shoot, spins, kicks it back out. Jalen Brown, three-pointer, puts it in. Timeout, Milwaukee. Marcus Smart, Ali, on him. Smart drives, pulls up, kicks it out. Horford, up top, White, wide a three-pointer. Puts it in. Horford the rebound. He's missed three point-blank layups tonight that you just don't see him miss. Grant Williams again. Seven three-pointer of the game. It's a 16-point lead. Tatum pulls back Lopez in pursuit. Tatum finds Pritchard. Pritchard a three-pointer. It's down. And he's done just a wonderful job of picking this Bucks defense apart. Pritchard again. I think much time off the clock as Tatum drives, gets inside, kicks it out to Smart. Smart and open three. Too strong. Pitcher with the offensive rebound. Back to Smart. It's good. And there's certainly nothing guaranteed going forward, but they've taken advantage of the opportunity so far in these playoffs. And
0: Everybody in and threes. The C's. The Boston Celtics defeating the Milwaukee Bucks 109-81 to in another Game 7. I looked forward to this game as well because I thought, boy, back and forth, you know, the Celtics are good, but yet the best player in this series is Giannis. And Giannis was a monster, no doubt. And you see the 25 points and 20 rebounds and one assist shy from a triple-double. A couple steals. Um, he went to the foul line six times, which is an issue we'll get into it in just a second. But man, what a game this was too. Because you thought Boston... There's no way that they'll be able to um, get around the hot shooting of Giannis and the things that he provides. I know there are some that are frustrated with Giannis because he barrels into dudes and he gets fouls, and hey, he's earned that, man. He's aggressive going to the basket. Those that are the most aggressive going to the basket deserve to have these calls, and Giannis is one of these you know, big brutes that can get to the rim and be able to earn it at the foul line. He scored 25 points, and that was not enough. The reason why I wasn't enough is because the Celtics won the game with hot three-point shooting. Now, if you're a Bulls fan listening to this, I want you to listen very closely. Because I'm going to make a juxtaposition between like the Bulls and the Bulls-Bucks series and the Milwaukee-Boston game from Game 7. So, just want to give the Celtics their credit first. Because the way they shot the ball from three, 40%. 22 for 55. They shot 55 three-point attempts, 55, and shot 40% overall from distance. That's because of Grant Williams. Grant Williams was 7 for 18 from three. He scored 27 points. He was the catalyst for this team from distance. And then Tatum and Brown. Tatum with 23 points and uh, Brown with 19 for the Celtics. Tremendous. But... The reason why that the Celtics won the game is because they shot well from the outside. It's nothing else. Um, I wish I could tell you it's rebounding. It's not that because the uh, Bucks had the edge in that 56 to 48. I wish I could say it's pass the ball side to side. Well, you know, the Celtics were plus nine in that category. And they did pass it well thanks to Marcus Smart. He was very good and as well as Tatum and Horford were very good at passing the basketball. But ultimately, it was the three ball and the inability for the Bucks to recover from those those three-point shots. As good a team as Milwaukee is, they cannot overcome the hot shooting uh, at the Garden. It's so funny watching that game, right? Every other time out, you could see the people working at the Garden in Boston wiping down the parquet floor because it was so warm in Boston. It kind of reminded me of watching the Celtics back in the day with Larry Bird because that building was so old and when it gets warm in there, I don't know if there's ice under the surface uh, at TD Garden now or not but I just know, just like the old building you see people coming out wiping down the the uh, the floor and there was players slipping and sliding because that's what was going on that floor, it was so hot and you got condensation on the floor, it's crazy, right? It gave, gave me vibes of me watching the Celtics as a kid when they took on the Bulls or other teams. Um, because the Celtics were in a big spotlight like they are right now because they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I just want to give the Celtics their flowers because of this. So I remember early in the season when people were wondering whether or not Brown and Tatum could be able to coexist. Could they be on the same team? Should they be broken up? Because they got off to such a bad start. Brad Stevens becomes the general manager after coaching this team for a while, goes upstairs, doesn't coach anymore, goes upstairs to take over for Danny Ainge. Ainge goes to the Utah Jazz in their front office. And I thought, like, Brad Stevens is a really good coach. Why is he leaving? Why does he have to leave the bench? Clearly, it wasn't working with him as a head coach because there was a ceiling on their success. Amy Adoka comes in, the boyfriend of uh, Nia Long. Oh, love Nia Long. Um, And uh, from from her movie Love Jones, oh, just That's where I just fell in movie love with uh, Nia Long back then. Um, nonetheless, I think about the Celtics and how they were not very good at the beginning. And even though they weren't very good, they still had defensive principles. And as the season progressed, especially, after, I would say, after January 1st, the defense got better and better and tighter and tighter, and they were starting to win games. They picked it up, man, and the one of the reasons why they did is because their defense was so much better. That was the whole thing, is that their defense, the reason why they're in this position today, as we record this, is that their defense led the way. And all the talk about Tatum and Brown not being able to work together got went away. Marcus Smart as a glue guy for this team, the same way that Draymond Green is for Golden State or any other glue guy you could think of that's an unsung hero. DeMarcus Smart's so good defensively And he can also shoot, you know, he still can be able to score as well. But when you have those guys and Al Horford in this series, turn the clock back. Al Horford, I don't know how many years he's got left. I don't know if he's got a good year left, but the guy was out there for 40 minutes and busting his ass and gave 10 rebounds. But also he had a a game or two that was really solid in the series as well. And then you go from there and just take a look at the, the Whites and the Pritchards and and players like that, good role players that could be able to knock down threes, Pritchard in particular. He was 5 for 7 from the field, 4 for 6 from 3 at 14 points. That helped the, the Celtics in a big way. I remember, if you're a Bulls fan, you remember when the Bulls played the Celtics early in the season and the Celtics weren't very good? That's a whole different team you see right now. Now let's talk about Milwaukee, the champs. They were the defending champions, and now not, not anymore because they got bounced out. And we're going to hear from Giannis in just a second. So Giannis did everything he could to help this Bucks team. And I know my buddy Travis Wacker is somewhere on the West Coast, and he's from our office at ESPN Chicago, is not happy that his Bucs uh, went from being champs to being bounced out in the semis. But it's not necessarily on Giannis. It's not. But you know, I noticed something about Giannis. Giannis was—he um, had a look like Kobe Bryant looked when Kobe got bounced out of playoffs. There's some frustration there with Giannis that makes and that makes me think that there's going to be more changes than I think in the office in the in the front office. Um, I think they're going to make some changes in Milwaukee because the big glaring red light about the Bucks is is that they didn't have Chris Middleton now. The Bucs were good enough to beat the Bulls without Chris Middleton. That was no problem. But there has to be more than just, hey, if Middleton's healthy, then the Bucs beat the Celtics. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know that. I just know that Middleton would have been a great help. But just the look on Giannis's face, it's more than just frustration. It was kind of like, okay, we worked all this this hard. we come all this way to Game 7 to lay an egg in Boston. There was a look that I hadn't seen before. So when I look at this roster... And we'll get to that in just a second. I just want to point out something, the parallel to the Bulls. I got so many notes here. (laughs) I got so many notes about these series. Um, Here's one that I wrote down. So in a Game 7 at a big spot, what do you need? You need shooting. You need scores. You need to be able to control the game. What happened to Pat Connaughton and uh, Grayson Allen? Now, those guys were stunning against the Bulls. Uh, The Bulls had no answer for Grayson Allen. But yet... Grayson Allen scores one point in Game 7, along with three rebounds. Cunadon's out there for 32 minutes, and he had two points, one of for six from the field. Both guys were negative for the Bucks. How do they not make shots? I, it, it's funny to watch Grayson Allen against the Bulls and then compare him to other teams that Grayson Allen takes on. It's funny watching Grayson Allen... You know, it takes a while for Allen to load up that three point shot. He gets the ball; it's not a quick catch and shoot. It's catch and then shoot. It's not saying he's an old man out there, but the defense for the Celtics were so good that they they closed the they closed the shade, the window shade on Allen so quickly for him to try to get the shot off. He went over four from three. Did Allen? But so Allen, for a guy that. Can shot it well against the Bulls and some of the other teams. Against the Celtics, not so much in a big spot. It took him a while to be able to load up and have confidence in that shot to knock it down. Same thing with Condon. Condon was 0 for five from three. He had two points. Ultimately, the three point shot was the ball game because Celtics uh, attempted fifty five three point shots and shot for a high percentage. And and so I I, I look at this roster and I, I give you a couple examples like Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis at 10 points and 6 rebounds, he's in 22 minutes. I don't know what Bobby Portis's conditioning is, but in a Game 7, in a jumbo lineup that Boone could have put out there with Giannis and Lopez and Portis, and maybe that's too big for today's NBA, but Portis should have more than 22 minutes. I think that whatever his next team is going to be, if it's not Milwaukee, if it's someplace else, that guy's got to be playing more than 22 minutes. He's just in and out of the lineup, and I don't. I always feel sometimes he doesn't have a good rhythm. I don't understand that. I don't know why George Hill is on this team. I don't understand it either. Like, George Hill is a, an old veteran that's been there and done that, but he doesn't provide a lot for for the Bucks. They got to change that. Um, I, I look at this roster, and I just say, man, this bench has got to change. <laughs> I mean, it just has to. Now, when Middleton comes back, and Middleton and Holiday and Giannis uh, really make up the big three, got to figure out what they want to do with their shooting, and they got to be able to make some changes on their bench. I know that they might have some salary structure issues that they've got to be able to address, but if they want to get back up there again, and they'll be one of the favorites for sure, that's not good enough. Here's Giannis.
2: It hurts. It kind of hurts not to to win, but at the end of the day, like, I'm the way my mom raised me my dad raised me like I'm a good human being and I gotta, you know, wish, uh, you know, the guy, the guy, you know, and uh, Tatum and his team, you know, the best for, uh, for them moving forward. Um, you know, I think they played uh, great, they was able to win the series and uh, I wish the best of luck uh, for him to continue uh, playing great and uh, lead this team to, uh, hopefully, a championship. I think, I uh, think, They're a great team, they have a great chemistry, and they have the opportunity to uh, win one. So I told him that, uh, gave him my respect, Um, he gave me his respect back, so that
0: was it. Ah, these playoffs are going to be great. It's going to be great to see Golden State. Let's see if they can get back on track and get to the top of the mountain and compete in the finals. Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Steph Curry. Draymond Green looks like Steve Kerr will be back from coming out of COVID protocol so he'll be available and then the other side man the Heat ooh the Heat and the Celtics I've always, if you've been listening to this podcast, I have been very high on the Heat all season being the quote-unquote best team as far as how they're tied together defensively, some of the principles of the Heat culture that they do. Yeah, it's it's a really solid team. But are they good enough to take on the Celtics, a team with some momentum? And they're snowball rolling downhill, and they have been since the, uh, since the start of 2022. So we'll keep our eyes on that. Um, uh, last thing I want to Point out is something that JJ Reddick said. I remembered, see? Um, JJ Reddick was on first take with Chris Mad Dog Russo and Steph and uh, Stephen A. Smith. And so they were arguing about Chris Paul. And Chris Russo said that Chris Paul is not a transcendent player. And JJ Reddick made a comment. And Stephen A. Smith backed up the comment from JJ Reddick. Now, Tell me if this argument holds up. Is this an, a freezing cold, uh, icy take about Chris Paul now? Now that the Suns have gone home?
1: Has Paul ever
2: been first team all Did NBA? Bob Cousy ever shoot over 40% from the field? Well, in his We career. understand that. You're did he ever right. shoot no, over not. 40%? Probably 39, 40%. Different countries? Not of once. I not once. That's fair. You also had 29 assists in an NBA game. Oh, well, you know, he was being hey, guarded hey, by plumbers and firemen. Oh, come on. That is true. That, is true. It, it, it,
1: that no, dog, it, 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 dog, are, dog, is true. doggy, doggy! Hello. Hello. The best point guard he ever. The that, way the there game is game was no played. doubt,
2: doggy. He changed the game. Stop the game it. He not played the way Stop he changed it. the game. Koozie did.
1: Stop it. Nash?
2: Chris Paul is one of the
0: top five point guards.
2: Chris Paul is one of the top five point guards in the history of basketball. I gotta
0: think about that for a minute. That seems a lot of strong for me. What? Yes. Okay. Well, the one thing I would say to J.J. Reddick is so if you're not going to give Bob Cousy credit, that means you're not going to give Kareem credit or Bill Russell or Will Chamberlain or Nate Archibald or some of the all-time greats. I, uh... I heard that's comments. I know what JJ was saying. He says that the athlete of today is different and in, in a lot of ways better than the athletes in the 60s. You know, listen, Chris Russo is a guy that will always lean on history, lean on players from the 60s, and 70s, those that built the league to where it is today in 2022. So I get that. But if you're going to say that about Bob Cousy, That means that some of these other older guys that played in the 60s and 70s, they played against firemen and and those uh, that were not as important back then either. He said Bob Cousy was guarded by plumbers and firemen. So is that the case for those guys that helped build the league? Like a Bill Russell, 13 championships, 11 as a player, 2 as a coach. Is that the same thing with Wilt Chamberlain? Is the same thing with Jerry West? You know, some of the all-time great players that ever play in the league. Look, I'm all for talking about the modern player and all for, you know, trying to exalt what's happening in 2022 of basketball. I'm a big defender of watching the NBA today. I'm not one of these guys who's stuck in the 90s and said it was better. All the basketball is compelling. All the stories are compelling over the decades. Um, But the idea that Bob Cousy is irrelevant because he was guarded by plumbers and firemen, uh, were were they as athletic as the player today? Uh, Clearly not but you don't turn a blind eye to history. That's my point. Thanks so much for listening to... Our podcast here, as we give you the best in the NBA conversation on Fast Break, you can hit me up on Twitter, Twitter.com, Tweet Jay Hood. I'd love to get your reaction. Also on Instagram, IG Jay Hood, your thoughts. Uh, and we're going to hear from Bobby Marks uh, this week on Cap and J. Hood. He's scheduled to join us, and we'll get his thoughts about the offseason. One thing that uh, David Kaplan, my partner, has said on ESPN 1000 is that he's hearing word that there's an um, injury issue. Uh, lingering uh, issue with Lonzo Ball in that knee. Uh, remember, he was not in the playoffs because of that knee injury. He missed a lot of the regular season as well with the Bulls. So we will uh, keep our eyes on that story and try to figure out what the Bulls need for their offseason. But ultimately, no matter what the Bulls are going to do in this offseason, I am locked in on what's happening with these NBA playoffs and the pre-draft camp has come to town. Uh, So I'll be part of that as well, checking that out on the west side of Chicago, see about the uh, draft picks and the stars of tomorrow. I'll keep you posted on that as well right here on Fast Break. Thanks for listening to Fast Break right here on ESPN Chicago with me, Jonathan Hood.